Okay. Okay. This is Bridges for Music. Sean DeVay from The Unit and many other entertainment companies visited Bridges Academy in Langa, Cape Town. During his talk, he passionately shared his journey from when he began working in the family business all the way to becoming a world-recognized promoter responsible for Ultra Music Festival in South Africa. This talk was recorded live at the Bridges Academy during one of his lectures where Sean talks to the students about event promotion, bringing Ultra Music Festival to South Africa and much more. Please enjoy this inspiring by Sean Duvet. Well, I've been asked to come and talk about the wonderful world of promoting, you know, and what it's all about, and be it from events and festivals and, and all of that good stuff, you know. Obviously, pre-COVID, it was a different world and a very different business to be in to what it is today, but I think, for me, all I can give you is my story, guys. You know what I mean? It's all I've got, you know. I've, uh, and hopefully, it can inspire you and... I'm sure you all will inspire me and hopefully we can inspire each other and we can all grow and do wonderful things together in the future, you know. Um, I was born in Johannesburg, in Hillbrow, you know, um, many years ago, 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, came from, yeah, you know, a kind of, you know, loving family, basic background, you know, not any kind of like real money or any kind of finances or anything like that behind us. We grew up. We grew up cool, we're happy, you know, kind of life, but you know, no, no real money behind us or anything like that. And anyway, um, grew up in Johannesburg, and then I was about like 15 or 16 years old. 15 years old, my father, he, you know, back in the day, used to love collecting music. And in fact, like he's from Germany, his, my grandmother, his mother actually had like a bar growing up, you know, and then he took over the bar. So it's kind of like music was always like kind of like in our blood, so to speak, you know? And he loved collecting records and loved collecting music, you know? And growing up, we had this old school turntable in the house, you know? And like all of his like cool Motown and funk and soul and disco and rock and roll records. And I just used to like play these records and like listen to the music, you know? And then, um, you know, then I, I kind of started learning how to record from like a tape deck to a record and then started making like mixtapes as a DJ, you know, and that was about 15 years old. And at that point is when dance music kind of like really started exploding. And I guess at the age of like 14, 15 years old, your mind is quite curious, you know, because you pass that like teen stage and you're starting to see what <clears throat> the rest of the world has to offer. Well, at least it did for me at that point. And I fell in love with music, you know, and, and I loved the idea of like mixing music together. And as I obviously started getting deeper into that, started realizing, okay, well, that's what the DJ does, right? That's what it's all about, you know? And, and funnily enough, I mean, if I even go further back than that, it, it, it was an interesting story that, uh, you know, I was much younger and I remember one of the teachers putting up, you know, asking the kids in the class, what do you want to be when you're older? And I put up my hand and I said, I want to be a DJ. Not even really knowing what it was all about, but I just liked the idea of the guy on the radio driving to school playing cool music and, you know, like, the idea of, like, bringing people together through music, you know? And um, anyway, kind of fast forward a few years later, collecting records, I kind of saved up enough money to go buy my own turntables, you know? And started collecting music and started listening to the music and understanding it, you know? And, uh, and there was a nightclub up the road. This is, you know, about 16, 17 years old in Johannesburg called Louis Boerter, I mean, called 206 on Louis Boerter. 
And, you know, started sneaking into the club, seeing what it's all about, started getting like more of a feeling and just love the idea of the energy, the excitement that obviously the DJ was bringing, the parties, the music, the culture, the scene, you know? And I went to the owner of the club and I said, listen, you know, like, I want to come DJ here, man. This is amazing, you know? And long story short, he kind of gave me a, he gave me a slot in the back little bar there, you know, because all about 20 people. And I started playing music and bringing my friends there and started building up a community, you know? Started bringing, you start bringing your friends, you start getting a following, you know, like any like party or club night, you know? And <clears throat> that started developing more and more. And at that point, I started to get more interested and excited into the business of putting parties together, you know? So it's not just the DJ, it's like, then, you know, how are you gonna promote? How are you gonna bring people there? How are you gonna tell people about your party? How are you gonna market this to your people? All of these things, and I didn't have any kind of book, there wasn't any fancy lectures like this to get it, I just, it was figuring it all as I went along, you know? And, and listening and trusting your gut and following your passion, you know? That's really what it was all about, you know? Um, uh, I then started doing more and more of these club nights, and the club nights got bigger, which was great. Um, at that point, I moved to, I lived in London for a year or so, and got into like pirate radio. Now in London, pirate radio stations, it's like an illegal radio station, it's illegal frequencies, where like crews get together, it was very cool, you know, and it still goes on now, and they basically find like the illegal state, like illegal frequencies and you go in there and like, you kind of like play your music and then you promote it out there. So I did that for a year and like also just DJed around in the bars and the clubs and crafted my skill and my set as a DJ, you know? Uh, fast forward a couple of years, I did a little bit of marketing and that again combined with the music became what I guess could be the base of promoting, you know? And bringing people to places at the end of the day and promoting club nights. Uh, sure, I then came and I moved back to Cape Town. I moved to Cape Town from Johannesburg and I started DJing at the local clubs and bars over here. There was Caprice in Camps Bay, there was Deluxe at the time. I'm just playing like cool house music and like what, it, you know, and just developing my name and, and all of that stuff. At the same time, I opened up Anything Goes, which is um, a, a, a creative agency, a graphic design marketing agency, you know. And at that point, I started seeing how um, you know, important the liquor brands were specifically because they wanted to communicate, obviously, with the market, the people that were coming to the clubs and the bars. You know, they wanted to speak to that market, and how did we do that? You know? And by understanding the inside out of those clubs and the parties and the music and like the DJs and the producers that people wanted to know, I almost had that one step ahead of what other marketing agencies didn't have. You know what I mean? Because other guys could come in and just say they knew the culture, which is the key word, but they don't understand the culture. And when you can understand the culture of what like, the core is all about, you can give to these big brands what they will pay millions for, you know? Because they just want that ownership and they want to be as authentic about it as possible. But you need to understand from the inside out, or at least I did, you know? Um, and then understanding, uh, you know, kind of like more and more what the brands wanted, we started doing some small campaigns with them, you know, like sponsoring nights at the clubs, sponsoring DJs, things like that, you know? I then opened up my first nightclub um, called the Bang Bang Club, which was, we ran for, oh, I think it was seven years or so, you know, four nights a week, and it was just focused on electronic music culture, you know, DJs, ranging from house music to techno through to drum and bass, 
And it was just an amazing time, you know, good energy, you know, to, to, to be alive. And obviously, over that period, it gave me more of an opportunity to work even closer with the liquor brands. Because the liquor brands wanted to come in and do, obviously, more and more with the markets, you know. So I developed good relationships. And at the same time, anything goes, my little advertising agency was growing, you know, because we, we got closer and closer to what the brands wanted to do. This kind of came to around 2010 when dance music exploded in the world. It was kind of, uh, there, was a, there was a big, uh, globally, you know, there was, a, there was a big crossover specifically with David Guetta at the time when <clears throat> I would say he did the, the kind of collaboration with the Black Eyed Peas. I don't know if you guys remember that. And that was, you know, in the world of music, that was like electronic music forging with hip-hop and pop culture at the time, you know? And that just kind of like exploded everything, you know? And the DJs became the superstars, like the real big superstars, you know? Before then, there was the big rock and roll bands touring the world and, you know, the big pop acts, and now all of a sudden, it was like the DJ's time to shine, you know? And again, like from being from the inside out, I, I felt that energy like rise, you know? And at that point, Dead Mouse was one of the biggest DJs in the world as well, you know? And I teamed up with a good partner and a friend of mine, Tony Feldman. His background is theater, also entertainment, but very much like family entertainment theater. So things like, you know, you, you see theater productions, that's what he did, you know? And obviously, my, me knowing the dance music world, it was an interesting collaboration, you know? And I went to him and saying, listen, this is it. We, you know, this is the biggest thing that's happening around the world. Dead Mouse, you know, he's one of the biggest DJs in the world. He said, Dead who? What are you talking about? You know, it's some crazy guy in a mouse head coming to play, you know? Anyway, um, you know, we worked very hard for over a year to get the deal. And that was the start of it all, you know? And then, you know, Dead Mouse came and we did 30,000 people around Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Durban. And then the big DJs just started touring and touring. So at that point, we brought Swedish House Mafia, Avicii, Skrillex, Carl Cox, Hardwell, Steve Aoki, all these big names, and doing these big tours around South Africa <clears throat> for up to 20 to 30,000 people, you know, which was incredible. At the same time, I was um, still kind of like running the clubs, and then in the middle of that period, um, I landed up selling the Bang Bang Club um, and still kept Anything Goes, the creative agency, obviously. Um, but there was a new kind of energy coming into the melting pot, which I was very excited about from the club side of things, you know. This is Cape Town about eight or nine years ago where I opened up Coco, my nightclub, you know. And at the time of opening up Coco, which, by the way, was the same building that the Bang Bang Club was in, you know, I was very excited about the melting pot of music, that it doesn't need to just be house music. There's hip-hop, there's culture, there's urban culture, there's flavor, you know, like, we've got to try and just, it's got to be about music and people just loving music and mixing the crowds and the culture. It's possible, you know, and at that time, people were saying to me, there's no ways you're going to be able to do this. You're either a black club or you're a white club, and you can't, like, mix the two, you know? But eight years later, you know, we, we're still around, you know, and it was a very exciting time for me to develop and build and understand and learn a new kind of culture and component and, like, be a part of that, which is very exciting. Got me uh, access to new DJs, new cultures, new music. I learned a lot, you know, started really getting deep into it all, you know. I mean, like, the Soul Candy world is, is very much where I come from as well, so I had a good understanding and feel for, 
for the music, you know? So for me, it's never been about color. It's just, and it never will be, you know? It's about the culture of music and what it does to people and brings them together, you know? That's where my passion starts and ends, I guess, you know? And <clears throat> I guess from there, um, the club started happening. We started doing more, which was very exciting. And the big festivals and events were getting bigger and bigger as well, which was great. So at that point, um, Ultra, also the South African market wanted something more than just an artist tour, like not more, you know, than just one DJ coming out. They wanted like a big mix. And that time, Tomorrowland was big, or still is, Ultra was big, and all of these things around the world. And through the work that we did with uh, the different artists, we, you know, we got close to the people who were behind the scenes, the production guys and, you know, all of these guys. And we met the people from Ultra in Miami, you know? And the conversation came about that, look, we want to bring Ultra to South Africa. And so it continued. And, you know, here we are, kind of like eight years later. Um, and, yeah, look, last year was an incredible show. Unfortunately, this year didn't happen because of COVID. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, yeah, where things have been. Then at the same time of understanding the brands, because it's always important to know that, because that's where the money comes from, guys. You know, it's like, yeah, well, it doesn't only come from there, but it's important. If you can tap into the brand, if you understand what the brands want, and you know how to give it to them authentically and creatively, the world is your oyster, you know? So at, that, at the same time, Corona was coming into South Africa, the beer, not the disease, you know? <laughs> and we were talking, and what they did in Ibiza was a Corona Sunsets Festival, and I said, this is great. Let's bring this to South Africa. And so we constructed and built the Corona Sunsets Festivals at the same time as Ultra, because we had all that great knowledge of how to build a festival, how to book the artists, the talent, and market these wonderful shows, you know? And then, <laughs> COVID came and wiped it all out, guys. You know, literally. All of my clubs, all of my festivals, the last year's been hard as hell, you know, for everyone. But I can tell you now, like, in the entertainment industry, where I come from, like, we got the biggest chop, you know? I mean, even to this day, you know, we're not allowed to open up clubs, we're not allowed to have mass gatherings. So it was a very, very difficult time for me, and has been. It's been, a, it's been a challenging period, but you know, this is what makes us strong, you know? And we've got to learn new tricks at the end of the day and how to do it. And you've, you know, learned a lot about patience and learned a lot about um, myself and, and who you are, you know? I, I tell you an interesting point at this, you know, juncture, so to speak, there was, so a good friend of mine, Josh Giorgio, was uh, Hugh Masekela's manager for many, many years, you know? And uh, when Hugh died, and, you know, this was just after COVID kind of started, Josh went to Bra Hugh's gravestone, you know, and sat there and a praying mantis appeared, you know? And you think a praying mantis is good luck, you know? But, uh, you know, Josh looked deeper into the meaning of it, you know, and just literally just went to Google and said, what's, you know, what's the, the meaning of finding a praying mantis, you know? And, it said, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically a visit from the praying mantis is a moment of peace, calmness, stillness, to go within and be passionate and take in your surroundings. And Josh saw that as a message from Bra Hugh through the animal kingdom to him and passed that message on to me, which was just such a beautiful thing. And I take that with me from the start of COVID to where we are 
patience has been a very important process of this all because we can start to see the light coming out now and it's happening around the world, you know. The vaccines are going to come, guys. The, you know, the, the rapid testing kits are going to come. We're going to get herd immunity. We, we're going to get back to where we were. I do believe it, you know. And even talking last night, I was on a call to my partners in Miami and they're open for business. You know, things are happening there. Given they're, you know, they're a more first world country, so to speak, so tests are free, things like that. But it's a glimpse into our future, guys. You know, and I think in terms of preparing ourselves to get there, it's important for us to prepare ourselves in the best way that we can possible. You know, I guess my story and my journey has taken 25 years or so to get here. And like I said, I don't, I didn't have a rule book. And I still knock my head all the time. I've had many challenges over the years, you know. But you've got to just follow your heart. You've got to follow your passion, you know. And you're going to get knocked down. And people are going to tell you guys, like, this is not, you know, this is, this is not easy. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to do it. But you, you know in your heart of hearts what is right and how to do things, you know. And the reality is, if I look at myself and my own story, you've got to start from the bottom up, and you guys, just being here right now, you're already 10 steps ahead. There's no doubt about it, you know? And that's amazing, you know? And every step that, that, that you do from here, this day forth, is only gonna make you into the better person of who you are into your future. And you've gotta ask yourself, what is it that you want to do? Because if there's one thing, you know, I've, I've learned in my life at least, you know, no one has the answers except you. But you've got great, people around you that are like-minded that you can work together with to build something beautiful. Does that make sense, you know? So, you know, you, you've just got to gravitate towards those that, you know, you want to work with, you've got to build up ideas, you've got to build up your culture, but just you've got to follow your heart, guys. And, you know, another important thing to, to say is, um, don't chase the money, because it'll run away from you. Do you understand, guys? Because that is so key. If you chase it, and you chase it, and you don't go in there like with your heart first, it'll run away, you know? Again, that's my view on it, you know? You've got to come, we're in a creative space. We're creative thinkers. We, you know, and that needs to be number one. The money will come. The money will come, I can guarantee it. You know, but you've just got to put that energy and that like kind of love first forward. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it's a crazy business, the, the music world, guys, and the entertainment world, you know? And especially right now with COVID, like we're at the bottom of the barrel in terms of like getting back to life and getting things back on, on, on track, you know? But it's even more of a reason to share um, experiences and goals together because when we do rise it's the strong ones that were patient and strategic in their goals and their vision to be who they wanted to be that will rise and let me tell you something when it comes back it's going to be bigger than ever guys I'm sure you can see it already when it's officially allowed to have big festivals big shows big parties big party nights like people just want it we're social creatures at the end of the day right? We naturally want to be together and enjoy each other's company, no matter what government 
tells us to do in terms of not being together and social distancing, it'll never work because we are who we are. We, we want, if we naturally, you know, want to gravitate to have a good time together, you know? So, yeah, sorry guys, I'm talking a lot, but that's kind of me in a nutshell. I think, you know, what COVID specifically has done to me is, you know, with managing the challenges of the business, of which there's been a lot, obviously, you know, there's also been um, exciting new things on the horizon. I've opened up a couple of new businesses as well. One is a, a bar training academy, so giving opportunities to new people who want to get into the bar space, you know? So perhaps there's some opportunities that we can work together. Val and I are talking about it, and maybe we can bring that in there. Uh, we've started out, we've brought out a new seltzer. A seltzer to vodka, lime, and soda in a can. Right, so it's a new product that's gonna go up on the shelves and a liquor distribution business because at the end of the day, like I said, you know, for me, liquor has always been the glue for everything that I've had to do. At the end of the day, the entertainment industry, you know, it's uh, very much in line with like liquor trade and marketing, you know. So that's, that's been my kind of like strategic play over this period with the hope that when things do officially come back legally, it'll be a combination of everything. The clubs will be up and running, the bars, the festivals will be back on track, the DJs will be playing again, and things will be out there, and um, you know, it, it'll all work together. You know? I think you know, when asking yourself as you know, an artist, or a creative, or producer, a DJ, whatever it is, you know, obviously it's good to have a goal, but don't be scared to do it all. I mean, I played, I played weddings, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> whatever man you know what I'm saying little pubs in the middle of nowhere to five people like you, you can't always have that you know that illusion yes you want to get there but you've got to earn your stripes you know you've got to you've got to earn your stripes because those are the gigs those are the you know those are those are the ones that like make you who you are at the end of the day you know um, sure yeah guys I mean sorry I haven't even really like run through all of this but yeah, I mean, this is kind of, it's a couple of years old, but the entertainment entrepreneur is kind of what I like to title myself as. Festival curator, club owner, branded entertainment guy. So branded entertainment is almost a name that I've worked with for the agencies, as in brands and entertainment. And it's a big space for me that I like to, to work in. So the branded entertainment agency, which is Anything Goes, and the spinner of fine records, you know, I like to play music when I can. I don't DJ that much often anymore. I play for my kids at home every now and then, but... Um, yeah, that's really it. Um, yeah, guys, so, I mean, at this point, you know what, it would be a good thing to show, which is very exciting, and nobody has seen it. So in terms of marketing, Ultra, for example, which is the biggest festival in the country, what we do is each year we come out with a, um, an after movie, right? And that after movie is the precursor to going on sale for the next year's festival to get people pumped up. We haven't released this, and I'm gonna share it with you, which no one has seen before. And that'll give you like the energy. And this is last year's 2020's like festival, you know? Which I'm literally nobody has seen this before, which is super exciting. But I think also just to kind of like comment before I get into it, like, you know, there's much like being in any kind of industry or business, in terms of promoting and marketing a show and festival, you've got to trust your team, you've got to be strategic, and you know, you've got to work closely with all the different elements of the business. 
you know? No worries. Um, marketing, well, no worries. Marketing is obviously super important, you know? We've got to get the tickets out there. We've got to sell the tickets. You've got to understand your numbers. You've got to understand your finances. It's one thing having a good idea, but it's another thing actually, you know, kind of making the show work. So finances are, in, are important, you know? You've got to know your legals, what you can and can't do, you know? You've got to respect the law. You've got to respect your people and your punters coming in, guys. Because <clears throat> if, God forbid, something happens on your watch, at the end of the day, if you run a show and you do something like that, if someone drinks too much, they get into a fight, they get killed, well, it's your responsibility. So legally, you need to, to be well covered. Financially, you need to know what you're up against, you know? Sponsorship is important as well, as is marketing, you know? And then obviously the intention is to sell the tickets and just make sure that people have the best time possible that they can, you know? So I think, like, at this point, I'm gonna share with you the Ultra 2020 after movie, which has not been released yet. Um, I'm excited to hear what you think about it because like I said, no one's seen this before. Um, and then we'll round it off with some questions. Does that sound good to everyone? Unless you wanna ask some questions now, guys? After. After, okay. Um, I think it's very interesting watching the after movie, having been at Ultra, but now watching everything else is so crazy. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you. I just wanted to say I appreciate the effort. Oh, I'm a bit tall for this. I appreciate the effort that is that was put behind, like making sure that the movie can invite everyone in South Africa. You know, to be blunt, I did notice that there was at the beginning it was more. It felt relatable for me yes. as a black person. Yes. Um, at the beginning, it felt like wow, this is like something that's for me as well. Yes. And usually, ultra, you know, yes. people will associated with like white people or whatever. So I think that's a really great initiative because we I, need to I, I, I've, I've literally got cold shivers all over my body. That, that is, I'm so happy to hear you say that. And it's, and it's so important for me to hear that. And you know, like when, when bringing Ultra to South Africa, you know, it came from Miami. It came from this big American US kind of like background. And obviously it's an American product, so to speak, of a festival. And from day one, I said, guys, this is Africa. You know, we, they're very excited about bringing this US product here, but if we don't Africanize this product, we're dead in the water. This has to be ex you know, kind of conclusive and like for everybody. And it's, it's been a big goal of mine since day one to change that. And like, like to your point with this after movie, I really feel that we did it. And it showed in the markets that like came to the festival, you know, so I'm grateful to hear that. And, the way that's done is through the music, again, you know? It, it, it was just through the music, really, you know? And just bringing everybody up to put black coffee on the main stage was something that would be unheard of around the world just because of the style of music as he is. It's like, you know, the decision was you can't deny the biggest DJ in this country his audience, irrespective, you know, of the sound might be a bit different. So it was important to, to do that. And again, just like it comes that culture is everything and for me, like, music is the song that just, like, ties it all together, you know, or the thread. Yeah, for me, I, I, oh, we, we did go to Ultra, by the way, like, a few of us last year. But we went, we were fortunate enough to go before 
the event, like yes. to see how yes. the whole setup is, and it's it's. I can't. I cannot even put it to words. Like I mean, I was so fascinated by, literally, by everything, and like how an idea can become such a huge reality, and then having to be there on the night of the event, it was just like, it was super emotional. Like I mean, as I was sitting there now, um, I was drawn back to that experience. I remember telling Uyamkela and Onel, I was like, I was so, I was crazy. Like it, it was, it was. I remember, I remember we were for, like, um, yeah, there was a friend and she, she cried. She cried so much. And I and I asked her and I was like, why are you crying? And she was like, like she was like, I can't explain it to you. Like this whole, like this vibe, like this emotion. Cause there was like one thing I like young girl I mentioned now, there's so much diversity. Like you get to this place and everyone, the only thing literally that connects everyone is music. And I I mean, at first I thought I knew like my preference when it comes to music, but when I got there, like I was like there, like I was literally there. So, like, there's so oh, much respect to. So I have so much. much respect to, like, um, how you know you can, how like an idea can become such huge reality. Like, it's just beyond thank, words. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, and I think, <coughs> you know, just to, to also paint the picture, there was many potholes along the road please don't ever think that that was easy to do. Not to say that I didn't love the journey, but it's another lesson I think is important in life in general, be it putting a show or doing anything, you've got to trust the process. But at the end of the day, if you can see a vision, you can see a goal, you just, you just got to go for it. Because there was many challenges over the years, obviously, with it, you know? Thank you. Um, I guess I have a comment and a question. Uh, so I'll maybe start with the comment. Um, when I got introduced to dance music, uh, it was through stumbling across a Tomorrowland after movie on YouTube. So watching this after movie is absolutely insane. So my question comes to you as in how, how much pressure or was there any pressure of holding an international standard? Because firstly, this is of international standard. Totally. So was there any pressure and how did you deal with that pressure of now bringing the product to South Africa and still, with, still having that African flavor and the South African twist to it, but still maintaining the international status and standard that it should have? Thank you, sorry, God. a little frog in my throat. I just wanna quickly grab some water, one second. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> great question. And uh, excuse me, guys. Mm. <clears throat> Great question. Um, you know, in terms of bringing in a product from the States, obviously where Miami came from, the, it comes with restrictions, it comes with brand guidelines. You know, at the end of the day, Ultra is a festival that tours around the world, you know. So there's an international touring team that comes with it. There's specific stage designs that we get sent and we work with them to create them. But, you know, when it came down to curating the music, you know, uh, me and my team had carte blanche. And that's where, you know, the, the blending of, like, the, 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 the culture from South Africa came to it. So, at the end of the day, we can have this beautiful, massive stage that literally is on par 
with any stage in the world. We can go toe-to-toe with anyone, you know? It's that big. But it's the content that you put up on it that's important, you know? So I guess through trust and through, you know, working closely together with my Miami partners and having them understand that the only way that I'm prepared to do Ultra in South Africa is with an African, like South African twist and flavor, even African twist. And that's the only way that the festival will grow, you know? So in terms of keeping up with international profile and standards, you know, from when it comes down to the technical and the production, there is an important way that things get done. You can't just put it together, you know? There's, it comes with a good year of planning. That's how long it takes us to do each show, you know? So when the technical teams come down, they work with our technical teams to make sure that the design of the stage can fit right, that you know, all of the technical elements are there, that in terms of the people running the show are working in a specific way and manner that is of international standard. But when it comes down to curating the music and bringing the melting pot of culture together, we hold the key at the end of the day. So we can have this big elaborate stage, but if we're not giving the people what they want, what's the point? You know, so it's working together in that way. How did COVID affect me? Very, very intensely, to be honest with you. You know, like, um, so for me, for example, as, it, as COVID struck on whatever it was, the 15th of March, 2020, around then, like, and it was kind of made official, you know, I had a big office with 30 people that was like the heartbeat of like all of the stuff that I've spoken about today, you know? And <clears throat> which I was renting, obviously, for many years, good 13 years we were in there. And ironically, at that point, as of the 1st of April last year, uh, it was time for me to renew my lease, you know? And I looked at what was happening around the world. I mean, there was 30 of us in the office, you know? And I said, guys, like, if I see what's going on around the world, if I'm gonna renew this lease for another five years, I'm screwed, excuse my language. Like, you know, we're going to have to adapt and adjust to virtual like thinking and learning and communicating and all of that stuff. And for me, it was particularly different, difficult because I'm a tactile person. I need people around me, you know, because like, it's the nature of like, where I come from in my business. You know, I, <clears throat> it's, it's been a very challenging time to learn how to like, take that step into like, every meeting must be on a Zoom. I just love calling everyone, hey guys, let's have a meeting, let's round it up because I feel the energy in the room. That's where I feel the energy of things happening. So it's taken me a while to like make that transition, which was very difficult. Yeah, you know, I had to, you know, automatically close all my venues, you know, and in so doing that, it was all the different layers of what that became. It was talking to the landlords, for example, to say, guys, like, <clears throat> we need to work together here. You know, this is government saying I can't trade. You know, you've got to give me a break on the rent. And, and I guess, business like anything else, it comes down to relationships and good relationships. Because if I didn't have good relationships with my suppliers, with my landlords, they could have turned around and been like, sorry buddy, you owe us the money, there's the contract, you know? And it would have become a legal argument like, like there were plenty of. But luckily, you know, I'd like to say that I've got good relationships with the people I work with, and that's for me super important. So, you know, we managed to bide the time and say, you know, like, look, guys, in terms of the rental for the venues, whilst we're not trading, we'll pay for the lights, we'll pay for the electricity of the things that we use, but if we can't 
put in a party and we can't sell liquor, you know, I don't want you to lose money as a landlord, but you've got to see where it is that I come from, you know? So it was a lot of negotiating, a lot of the points, and I feel that even over the, the most difficult of times, you know, to still keep that relationship going there and being honest with the people that you work with, it helped because as things are slowly and hopefully starting to open up again, it's those strength and those relationships that'll help you then move forward. So it was, it was a difficult adjustment and I'm still learning every day, but I'm also of the firm belief that <clears throat> when it does all come back, it's gonna be a combination of everything. You know, I mean, same from the virtual. We did a bunch of like virtual shows and it was just never the same for me. It was never the same. You know, it just felt strange, you know, on a, on a laptop, like watching a virtual show, you're you, you fighting with, to get someone's 10 minute attention. It's crazy because you've got a million different windows open. How do you keep up with that, you know? And, um, but we did it and we learned what that side of the industry is all about, which is booming as well. So I do believe when everything comes back, it'll be a combination of that, be it on how we work and how we meet in physical places and how we can do a Google Meet or a Zoom meeting at the same time. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. question. Did you at some point have to lay out some, to lay off some of your workers or you managed to kind of <coughs> keep everyone afloat and you didn't have to... So it was a... <coughs> In terms of, I'm proud to say, <clears throat> excuse me, that I never fired anyone. I never, I never got rid of anyone. You know, it wasn't ever the case. But it was always a case of saying to the guys, look, this is the best that I can do. And if you find another opportunity out there that can support you, because if I was in finance or some other industry that like people didn't get affected at all, it's a different case, you know? But from my side, I said, guys, this is the best that I can do. And what I had to do, uh, you know, I kind of had to bring people's salaries down, you know, to, you know, basically like 75% and then 50%. And just like, guys, that's the fuel in the tank. I was very like open cards with everybody. And at the same time said, please, by all means, if you find a better opportunity, go out there and do it, you know? But at the same time, and some people did. And we've still got great relationships today with those people. So the door was never closed. I support them, I'm proud of them. And that was the best I could do, to be honest with you. Um, this is a huge um, <clears throat> festival. So in terms of promoting, uh, what would you give us advice on in terms of the ways of promoting you guys used for such a big festival? Right. And ways of advertising that made this festival a success? Yeah. So, over the years, good, great question, you know, over the years, <clears throat> since we started Ultra, excuse me guys, marketing has changed so much. Seven, eight years ago when we started it, you know, digital, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, social media was there, but it wasn't on the scale that it was today. You know, at that point, we had to spend a lot more money on radio, on TV, on billboards, on flyers, on posters, on physical marketing material, you know? But as, and that's called the marketing mix, which is important to know. And it's good to understand all of it, from social to digital to film to TV to billboards to outdoor, you know? And it's always good, in my opinion, to have a good mix of everything. So if there's the full pie of marketing, it's good to have your... Your, your, your energy into all of it. But as time progressed, what we started to find was that digital slice of the pie just got bigger and bigger and bigger, because that's where everybody is. 
they're on their phones all the time, you know, they, and, that's, and that's how we had to communicate. So digital marketing became a huge play with it. That doesn't go, and then, you know, that doesn't go to stop me from <clears throat> doing a deal with the radio station, you know, Five FM and, you know, Metro and everybody, we've always had them on as radio partners because for them, they want the content. They want to be talking about the artist. They want to be giving tickets away. They want to be talking about it. So <clears throat> when you go out there and put it together, you've got great opportunity for them to talk about it. So there's the radio. The same you can talk, if you're talking to the SABC, you can talk to them about TV deals as well. And then you start talking about bartering deals. You know, you give them X amount of tickets, they'll give you X amount of airtime. But digital and social media is just such a massive part of it because that's how people communicate, you know? And then it's also just understanding the detail of that, that how you talk to somebody in Instagram and Facebook, for example, isn't necessarily the same way you're gonna talk to them in TikTok or in LinkedIn, for example, you know? So it's important to choose your, your message and then craft your communication styles differently to um, with different, <coughs> to the same audience, but maybe thinking in a different mindset. For example, if you're scrolling through Instagram, you, you, you're in a certain mindset, same as TikTok. You're in quite a playful thing. You're looking for, you know, maybe, you know, a good-looking girl or guy, you know? But in LinkedIn, all of a sudden, your mindset's changed and you're looking for, like, facts and details. So you can't, mustn't just copy and paste the same content with the same copy in all these different spaces. It's important to, to do that. And same goes for, like, a billboard or, like, the back of, like, a bus for marketing, you know? At the end of the day, you, you, you don't know if, some, if you're driving in your car or in your taxi, you, you, you've got <clears throat> 10 seconds to see that billboard. Therefore, your message needs to be ultra, date, venue, be there, buy tickets, whatever it is. Whereas opposed to something like a Facebook, you can do a long detailed post, people are gonna read about it and write about it. So it's important to know that like, to get one message out there into the world can be crafted in so many different ways. And what you need to think is put yourself in, that sh in your shoes of what your consumer wants. You know that in LinkedIn, your mind is in a different way. So don't give that message out like that. When you're watching TV and you, and you see a 30-second advert, you've got to see high energy like power, you know? And it's got to be video. It can't be a still image. So it's really just understanding like the whole marketing mix. And the only way to do that is to just kind of take note of it all, and it's all around you all the time. You guys are consuming media all the time. You are the case studies. We are all the case studies. Does that make sense? Sean, sure. I just wanted to ask, so of course you have like a, a big project that you solely focus on, but of course there are other projects that are around you mm. that you focus on too. How do you... I think it's your phone. It's my phone, sorry. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. How do you keep, um, how do you keep the, the other small, let me not say small, but the other businesses around the big business alive? Because, of course, you have to juggle and there's a lot of things that you have to take care of. How do you manage that? So, trust and partnerships. You know, partnerships are key. You know, my, <clears throat> my personal approach to that is... I would rather have a smaller piece of the bigger pie than a big piece of a small pie, if that makes sense, you know? So, and, and I'm of the belief that you've got to, it's called, I guess I like to use the, the, the horses for courses. I know what I'm good at. I think I know what I'm good at. You know, for me, 
when it comes to the festivals, like curating the music, the marketing, and the sponsorship are spaces that I'm super comfortable in, you know? But put me like in the kind of like financial hat position or the hard production or the technical side of things, it's, it's not where I, I honestly gravitate towards. So I trust my partners and my teams to do that. And you know, the, the energy is like, us. this is your space that you are comfortable in. This is where you want to be. Collectively, we have this dream, so let's work on it together. I'm gonna focus on this, you're gonna focus on that, and together we're gonna make this happen. Having said all of that, business is about money as well. So it's important for you to always have a good eye on what's going on, and the devil is in the detail. But that doesn't mean that you can't follow what it is that you love in the business. So trust, I've got a lot of partners, you know, and, and like I say, my, my vision of growth I want to have more and I want to work with more people and if it means I'm going to have less equity, so to speak, I'm fine with that. You know, you get, you get others that um, want the whole pie and from my experience, like, they, not to, not to say it doesn't work for some people, but they become over-controlling and like it's very difficult to see out from there, you know? So yeah. But trust. You know what I mean, as well. It's one thing having partners, but you've got to all trust each other. It's everything, you know? Um, my question is rather on Sook specifically. And so on Sook. Sook, yeah. Yeah, so what I wanted to ask is, how <laughs> difficult was it or making the decision for the aesthetic change and the, and the culture shift within the place itself, coming from the previous uh, business, which was um, neighborhood. Neighborhood, right. So how, how difficult was it now deciding on the, the aesthetic change and the culture shift within what to is now going to be the new place, which is now Sook? It's a great question. I think, again, you know, like, from our side, we came from Coco and Gold Bar four or five years before then, and we built up the trust in a culture and market that wasn't really there before in the city, we believe, on that level that it was. And when it got to the stage of us wanting to do more and grow, you know, we looked at our market. We didn't look at neighborhood as a venue to say we want that audience. The intention of going into neighborhood, we always felt like Longstreet, you know, will always be like kind of like a main artery, a pinnacle of town. So the space we liked itself. But going in there, it was always about us going in and putting on our own personality. So it was very intentional, the change, very intentional, the shift on what to do, you know? You know, we felt, <clears throat> you know, with the cocoa market, we had a premium, high-energy, you know, urban-mixed audience, but they were missing the daytime kind of sunset food like trade, so we wanted to find something that works for them, and obviously we wanted something quite close to Coco, and at the same time, the neighborhood venue was up for sale, or the business, you know, was up, and, and we saw that as a great location to create Souk, but it was never the idea of we're gonna take neighborhood and want that market, we wanted something to change it completely different, so it was always very, all very strategic in, in how it got done. Okay, um, <clears throat> my name is Yamgela, by the way, um, and I just wanted to ask, I had quite a few questions, but I think you went through with them. 
Um, and with what you said about you like being involved in a lot of things, but you don't mind having less equity in. I noticed on your LinkedIn that you're a lot, you're a co-founder in yes. a lot of cases instead of um, owner or, you know, so sure. like what you said just resonated and yeah. kind of came to life. And, and, and on that note, sorry to interject, like it's good to build up everyone around you. You know what I mean? Like it's important that the people that you work with, you've got to build up your team. You've got to build them up, you know? So that's why I don't want to shout from the rooftops. I'm the owner of this and that and have to feel my partners, for example, feel that they aren't appreciated, you know, because then they won't put their best foot forward into the business. And then I just wanted to ask, I think, I'm not sure, but is the unit, the alcohol, um, the liquor no, distribution? Cascade. So that's the new business, which isn't on here either. So the unit, the unit is my holding company, which sits at the top, and then all my businesses feed into the unit. So some, so the unit I own 100% of, but then, for example, Coco, I only, you know, I don't own the full 100%. Souk, I don't own the 100%. Ultra, you know, I have 50%. So it's the culmination of those shares that then feed into the 100% of the unit. Yeah, Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Cascade is, the, is a new holding company with the liquor distribution that I've opened up, but that'll also fall underneath the unit, of which in Cascade, I also only have X amount of shares because I have partners in those businesses as well. Mm, okay. And then I wanted to ask um, about Salute. It says you're part of Salute, Jet yes. Black, and Bella, I think it yes. is. I'm aware that Jet Black is a recording label. So yeah, so Jet Black, Jet Black is, um, so how Jet Black came about, and funny, so Jared Traeger, who runs Jet Black, him and I go through many years, and Jet Black is a booking agency and a record label, you know? So we've got everyone from Shimza, Floyd Levine, Dean Fuel, Bantuanas. I mean, we've got an amazing roster. And what was happening over the time, as we were, Booking, as I was booking more and more shows and shows and shows, I, you know, I got to a stage where I was working so closely with Jared and the Jet Black team, and I was like, okay, guys, you know, there's a big, there's a bigger play here. Let me get involved in the business, you know, of which I did. So I bought into the business and helped them, like, kind of like scale it up. So that again, like that ecosystem works together. So when the clubs and the shows come back together, I'm bringing in. Jet black artists into the shows, you know, to, to build them up. So, really, just about building everyone up, you know. Um, sorry for all the questions. No, 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 please. I appreciate um, it. Who is this last one? Yeah, so I wanted to ask um, this is just a random question you were mentioning earlier on about how you'd get, you started off um, in bars, etc., etc., and then you elevated. Mm. And then you were talking about how you liked communicating with, because you believe communication with brand and the lick, like the, yeah, just communication between the culture mm. and the brand, blah, blah. Then you mentioned, I just wanted to know, how does a DJ get sponsored for the <laughs> night? Like, does that mean the DJ wears, let's say, Mo, Moe is sponsoring the, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Does, when you say that getting sponsorship for the DJ, does it mean the DJ's um, fee is going to be paid by Moe, or does it mean the DJ is going to wear Moe for the day? Or? No, he, he, there's, there's lots of different ways into like how the, the deal can get structured, you know. But if if the DJ, for example, is going to wear like clothing by it, they become an ambassador. That's a different deal structure altogether. And more than likely, what they'll want them to do is come out with a range of like posts, 
communication, things I need to do on their social media, wear clothes, be at certain engagements. You know what I mean? Like, be, But if it comes to, like, Moet sponsoring a night at the club, you know, no, the DJ wouldn't need to get, like, um, dressed up because they want sales at the end of the day. So, you know, for example, I mean, you know, if I've got a whiz kid at Coco, for example, you know, massive artist, and he's just done a big deal with Ciroc, naturally I'm gonna get Ciroc to come in and sponsor that night, because they know that WizKid is there to perform. But when it comes down to his performance as an artist, he has carte blanche. I'm not gonna tell that artist what to do, you know? Obviously I'm gonna request, okay, listen, give a shout out to Ciroc on the mark and things like that, you know? But the brands, they wanna go to the parties where the hottest DJs are, the hottest performers are, because they know if that's happening and the clubs are popping, then that's where the sales are gonna be. And then when it comes down to like the marketing and all the stuff you see on Instagram stories and all of, at the end of the day, you gotta see the clubs and the venues and the parties and the DJs as shopping windows for these brands. It's like if you're walking down, if you're walking down the waterfront and you walk past that like Diamond Mile, whatever it is, and you see like Gucci and like all these like fancy, you're like, wow, look at all of that, you know? You gotta almost see like your, your phone as that for these brands. Because if these brands are gonna show up at those clubs with that DJ, and all of you guys are gonna get in your phone and look at it, automatically, your view of that brand is like automatically or elevated, you know? So there's different deals and different structures on how those types of things get done. Um, a good manager, you know, can kind of help, but good managers come when the product is ready, you know? You, you, you've gotta really... Sorry, guys. Oh, what's going on there? Uh, you know, you, you've got to be the artist that you need to be um, first and foremost, you know. And again, it kind of goes back to that thing of not chasing the money. So when you're ready to, to step out into the world and you've got your socials ready as an artist, you've got music ready as an artist, you've got a look, you've got a bio, you've got things written up, you've got to treat yourself as a product at the end of the day, you know. And don't let any, you, you, you're a product, man. That's it, guys. You are a product. You've gotta, you've gotta be proud of your product. And only you know your own personality of the product, you know? So, you know, if, if a brand's gonna come to you and say, wear this, you'll be like, hold up, you know what? Like, actually, you know, it doesn't suit my profile. There's nothing wrong with saying no to the right things, to the wrong things, you know? It's just like, look, with all due respect, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, if a campaign comes along for, I don't know, a brand that just doesn't sit well with you, or it you know, goes against like animal rights or something that you don't agree with, you don't have to do that. You know, you're not compelled to. But that's why the stronger your product is, the stronger you are as a brand, naturally, you know, the right opportunities will gravitate to you, and therefore it will be up to you to make those right choices and take it from there. Okay, just one more. Not at all, please. <laughs> um, I was surprised the other day when I heard that as a promoter, you have to, you plan and you have this idea and you are the one that kind of puts the dots together of what you think need to be, what you think needs to be organized to make the final picture. But I didn't know that um, promoters hire production companies yes. to do the actual work. So I wanted to ask you, when did you start actually hiring a production company? Did you start off doing everything like with yourself and yes. a team, et cetera, et cetera? So much like what happened with Jet Black, the same thing happened with Salute. So we were doing all the shows and I was working very closely um, 
with a couple of team members <clears throat> who were from other production companies and I just got very close to them and then eventually I got to a stage that we formed our own business together called Salute and Salute is the production company. So again, once again, like having that kind of like full ecosystem of things working together, I own a piece of Salute. However, you know, I'm not a production guy. They run the production, you know. So again, it's elevating people up to be a bigger part of something and giving them the keys to the car, so to speak, to run, you know, with what they're good at and what they love at, but all sharing in the passion and the goal to get that in the end, you know. If you want to listen to these conversations live and have access to this incredible community, you can join us at our physical campus, the Bridges Academy in Langa, South Africa. A revolutionary learning space where you will find courses on music, entrepreneurship, film, DJing, and much more. For more information on how to apply, visit bridgesacademy.org. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. I just want to know who came up with the name Souk and what does the name Souk mean? Souk, okay, so uh, name, names are an interesting thing and, and, I'll, and I'll get back to it. So I've always, uh, so Coco, my daughter's name is Coco. Um, Bella Bookings, which is our booking agency, that's my other daughter's name. Uh, so I've always been one to kind of like name ones after the family. Um, anything Goes came about from just like the style of music and I was just like anything goes kind of like party stuff and there was actually also a Masters at Work radio show from about 20 years ago called that so I, I enjoy good names. Salute came about from clinking your drinks together you know as in salute you know. Cascade came together as in because it's like the flow of liquid so that's like the idea of it you know. Um, from Coco and also the idea of Coco, of just mixing culture, black, white, whatever, was always something that I always wanted to be a part of, you know? The next came Gold Bar, and Gold Bar, uh, you know, just because the size of it, it like worked in relation with Coco. And then Leander, my partner in Coco, came up with the name Souk. The intention of Souk was like an African marketplace. That was the literal translation of it, you know? So we did it with our own twist, because I think in like Mediterranean companies, you hear countries, you, you think Souk, it may have like a different connotation in your mind, but we just love the direct translation of African marketplace, colorful, you know? And that's translated into our own identity, so to speak of it, you know? But it's a great question because what goes into a name? What goes into a brand? It's so important, you know? And it's so important to know, you know, <clears throat> yeah, what goes into that brand name? You, you, you've got to put so much into it. It's not just a matter of coming up with a cool name. Let me just come up with a cool name. You know, what is the identity around it? What is the feeling of it? You know, so, yeah, that's the super story. Okay. Um, so, Sean, okay. First question is, you know, you had, you were in Miami and you saw the whole Ultra experience. And from there, you had the idea to bring it here. <laughs> So, I mean, how do you practicalize an idea? Like, how do you make it practical? Like, what were the first steps that you took? Because we always see the after, like, the final product, but we never know, like, you had the idea, like, who did you call? What was the first meeting? Um, like, basically, like, the practical, process. like, the practicalities and the process of it. So, you know, again, it's, <coughs> excuse me, organically in the industry over like 
20 years that it took me to get there, it's a matter of building up your name and building up what it is that you do in your industry as a promoter, as a businessman or woman, and it's about the company you keep and the connections that you make and the relationships that you have with people. So when it got to Ultra, before Ultra we were touring all the big artists, Swedish House Mafia, Skrillex, all of these guys, you know? And in so doing all of that, what happens behind the scenes, behind those DJs standing on the stages, you know, there's production people, there's production teams, and those people are the backbones. Those people are the ones that like make the whole shows tick, you know? So through the touring of these artists, we met all these wonderful people, you know, in the background, and they were the ones, in fact, it was, um, yeah, one of, one of the heads of productions of the shows that came to us and said, you know, you guys have been doing such great shows with single artists, you should bring Ultra to the country because Ultra is looking at expanding around the world. And then, you know, when we had the conversation, it was about taking the franchise for Africa, and that's what we did. So it, it didn't happen quickly, you know, it happened over many, many years of negotiations, and, um, but it happened because we all shared, like, in the same common goal and vision of bringing the show to the country at the end of the day. <clears throat> um, um, you have... You have these connections and relation and these good relationships with everyone that you have them with. Like, how how did you go about building and creating those relationships? Like, you know, like how how did it happen? I think it's putting yourself out there and putting your best foot forward, being proud of who you are, knowing what it is that you want to do and what you want to establish. I think it's also important to do your research as to who's who in the zoo, so to speak, and do your best to get to those people. Have conversations with them. You'd be surprised how easy it is to DM someone on Twitter, for example, and just be like, hey, listen, I appreciate what it is that you do, and it'll be cool to learn some more from you, so to speak. You know, don't be scared to put yourself out there, you know, and, and how you position yourself. Hey, what up? I'm a DJ. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot over the years. And some, some, you know, the messages I get, I can smell the bullshit, excuse the language. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, this guy's just trying to hack a gig, you know, for something. But, like, if you genuinely, you can hear it. You know, it's like, hey, what's up? You know, this is my story. It doesn't need to be a long, lengthy story. But, like, you know, I appreciate you and, you know, just... Give me some guidance. You'd be surprised. Everyone's, we're all people at the end of the day, you know? So do your research <clears throat> on who you want to connect with. Try to find your ways to connect with them. And with the advent of like social media, which I had grew up, none of that stuff, you know? It's so much easier. The layers are right there. They're on our phones. We can talk to each other in one minute, you know? So, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's the best yeah, my love, very to start. Last, very last question. Um, like, when would you provide a free service and who would you provide it to slash for? And, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, any time, you know, if, if the intention is right and, you know, it depends on what, obviously, it needs to... It's, it's quite a loaded question. I'm not saying I wouldn't mind... I'm happy to give my service any time, but it's got to, the intention needs to be pure. You know what I mean? Like, if, um, I'm not just going to do it for the sake of doing it, 
but I'm here to share, you know what I mean? So I guess it depends on what it is that you're looking for and how I can assist, but how authentic is the request and is it something that I can genuinely help with? I will do it with absolute pleasure, so to speak, you know? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. I would like to ask, um, because um, you are a board member of Bridges for Music, um, has that opened many doors for you? Uh, look, many doors. It's all to all of your lives, for one. You know what I mean? It's, you know, in all the projects that I'm involved in, to be honest with you, like, I love Bridges dearly, you know, and. And, and I really do, you know, and I, and I love, I mean, I, it's such a proud moment walking in here and looking at you guys and seeing this all built up from, you know, when it was just like an idea, of, you know, 10 years ago, whenever it was, um, in terms of the opportunities, uh, for me, opportunity is not money, always, if you know what I mean, and, you know, it's... The opportunity is, you know, if there's great opportunity that I can meet some wonderful people and I can help them and they can help me be a better person, that's a great opportunity, you know. I think what's been a great opportunity with Bridges for me specifically because a lot of my work has been working with international um, artists and managers and brands like that, it's been nice to work uh, from the inside of Bridges, so to speak, and be connected to... Uh, some of the international partners that we have from President Advisor through to Pioneer. So, you know, that's, that's been great. But it's not like I'm looking for money for them. It's, it's, it's human connection, you know. So those are the opportunities which I'm grateful for. When clubs are open again, um, may, we, um, may all of us um, perform Come. at your club. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you you, you got to cut the mustard, my friend. You, I will, you know... Show me what you got, with pleasure. You know, I want to see a mix, I want to see a link, I want to see a profile. Uh, you know what I mean, guys, I'm here to help. But just, I, I also need to do the best for my business. And therefore, I need the best to come through. So, you know what I mean, like, will I do a favor for you? Maybe, but if you're gonna come correct and be like, listen, this is me, this is my best foot forward, here's my link, here's uh, my profile, you know, I've got even, you know, like, here's my bio, like, here are all my links, you know, my, all my social media stuff, like, show me that you've got what it takes. It doesn't mean you have to have it, we can help groom you, you know, but if it's gonna be like, yo, like, give me a DJ set and you haven't made any efforts, why should I make the effort for you if you haven't made an effort for the industry that I've worked my whole life in, you know? So, yeah. Hey? <laughs> Details, yeah, yeah. You can, you, Sean at anythinggoes.co.za, guys. You can all hit me up whenever. S-H-A-U-N. Can we spell Sean? Actually, you know what? You, use my unit one. So it's Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at theunit.group, G-R-O-U-P. The group. You know. Sorry, do, so it's at the unit <laughs> dot group. So uh, the, yeah, yeah, at the unit dot group, yeah. Um, I'm, hi, Sean. My name is Dukes. 
and um, it's good to have you here. Thank you. And I'm glad my friend over here, Jamini, asked the question because he's the best when it comes to production and DJing. Great. So great. I was so happy when he asked that question. That means he's ready to put out great music Bring out on. there and perform. So. Uh, I so wish that he can be given that platform because he's Absolutely. great. Yes. What, what kind of music are you playing and making? Great. That's great. I'll and put he's you in an touch. amazing producer, I tell you. Amazing. I can yes. put you in touch with Jared from Jet Black. Send me the details. Send me your productions. I can put you in touch with Jared. Send me the DJ mixes. I can put you in touch with Leander and Taffy, you know. And an amazing vocalist over there. But Fantastic. you just need to give them time. I mean, you, you guys have got more than I've ever had in terms of what's around you. You've got an incredible like production studio next door. You've got an incredible like minds around you here, guys. Like, you know, like you've got it. You've just got to want it and put it out there. You know. So if you're a great vocalist, fantastic. But like, I mean, that means with all due respect, I need. To, I can trust everyone here. But what I was going to put you up on stage. Not yet. I need to see, I need to feel, I need to, to hear it out, you know? So I'll, I'll help you guys wherever I can. But no matter how much I help you, if you're not ready, you're not gonna get to where you wanna be, you know? So you've gotta, yeah, just do the best that you can. <coughs> uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Pleasure. For giving my brothers and sisters the opportunity. Um, what I just saw now, it, it is amazing, the ultra. And um, yesterday, Valentino asked us a very profound question as to as this intake of co-creators after Bridges from music, how are we gonna make money? Yes. And um, I had already had the answer. I've been brainstorming ideas and um, asking the question that I'm about to ask right now. I'm about to ask the question because I want us, us as this intake to after bridges to be business partners mm -hmm. of some sort, not just musicians and producers and all that, but I see us as bridges for music intake as business partners. If you if you get what I mean, because yes. we have your marketing team here, we have people who are good at this and that, and <clears> the other <throat> thing is that um, I'm also into events, so I've been doing events for like four years, but small events Great. like yeah. In, in, in Stellenbosch, we have a, a stadium there that we usually use. Um, it caters for 10,000 people. Amazing. So I was planning for us as this intake to, to, to sort of make maybe two events a year. Um, one event and one two-day festival, if that's possible. Amazing. So I kind of ask you to mentor us as this intake you know to find sponsors for our first event you know um he's the dj he's the r&b talk he's a vocalist we can take half of our performers here <laughs> with one national artist so so that we can attract sure. the crowd to buy tickets some of them they can perform the first half and then on the second event the the half of this group here can also be as local artists to perform opening the stage for the national artists that we can have mm. so um as we were doing events over the past four years, uh, we were struggling to get um, some sort of um, solid funding. Mm -hmm. You know, we've approached quite a lot of sponsors.
houses, Distel, they they provided us your your deco, your your branding, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, the biggest amount that we ever got was like thirty thousand rand to hijack Zex Bantuin. So he's mm-hmm. the biggest artist that we've ever booked mm-hmm. so far, mm-hmm. and we've booked Mbumi, we've booked Professor, Correct. you know. Correct. So okay. now I can't ask you to help us open those doors to help us give us the practical side so that we can have our first event because Valentino asked us how we're going to make money and then I suggested this idea that I've been planning for over four weeks now so can you help us maybe get one sponsor that can book us the artist the national artist we don't it doesn't have to be the biggest uh, like your ultra but we do have a stadium in Stellenbosch that caters for 10,000 people sure. we can make our first event and then we can cut percentages as to how to pay ourselves because I'm working with my business partner and we have a company called Ndawayam Entertainment but now it will be our company in partnership with that company that I already work with meaning we're going to cut the percentages mm-hmm. we're going to fairly pay ourselves as a company of this intake so is that possible for you to maybe speak on our behalf on your sponsors and get the artist. <laughs> I love how forward you are. I love the energy. I love, you are a promoter through and through, my friend. I mean, like, and <laughs> let me tell you, like, that is gold. And, you know, it sounds like you're already there. It sounds like you're doing it, which is unbelievable. And, you know, the reality is that I can try and help connect. I can't guarantee. And there's no shortcut in how to do it. Yes, you know, you, you're already doing it. Yes, and you've just got to, you know, when you start, when the when the brands start taking notice of you, of what it is that you can do, and what it is that you can achieve, the more money will come, the more energy will come. You know, unfortunately, the problem with sponsors and events right now, there's no line of sight because yeah. of COVID. You know, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you now that like all of the big brands, from the Budweisers through to the Coronas through to the Diageos, no one is spending money on events yeah. <clears throat> for this year, unfortunately, yes. you know, because, um, because of the potential PR backlash yes. that until government allows us to do shows, yes. if someone comes and does, if Budweiser or Castle or Black Label comes and sponsors one of your events, and all of a sudden 20,000 or 10,000 people arrive, mm. 5,000 people get COVID, 1,000, pass on to their, their grandparents, they die, it's a backlash they don't want to be a part of. Mm. So financially getting sponsorship is very, very difficult at the moment. Yes. You know? 100%. And what you need to know from well, my side, sponsors, without doing sponsored shows, it's very difficult to make money. But mm. it's possible, you know, yes, if, you've got, yes. if you've got the numbers there. So <clears throat> my suggestion is continue doing what you're doing, but grow small mm. and build up your business model you know, that you can work and build up your market at the same time. Because a 10,000 capacity show legally with sponsors, I don't see it happening for another year. Mm. Hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe Cyril comes tonight on TV and says, COVID's over. (laughs) I don't think so. In order for that to happen, it's got to be herd immunity. 96 or 70% of the population needs to be vaccinated, you know, we're looking at about a year to make that happen, but having said that, he has given us some light to say we can do shows for 250 and 500 people. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, the beauty of social media and smart marketing and digital content, content is king, guys. You could do a party for 250 people, right? Shoot it, edit it, you guys have got all the equipment here. 
and make it look like a beautiful hot one minute after movie, like this on a different scale, right? Then you take that to the brands. Hey guys, these are the parties we're doing for 250 people, right? I need, because it's a small show, I need 10,000 Rand to make the show happen. With that 10,000 Rand, it's gonna be super exclusive because we're only allowed 250 people. You know, you, you know, it's, it's and, and this, we're gonna get, I don't know, Zakes or whoever it is, you know, to, to okay, no, that, that, yeah, another artist, okay, that, that fits within that budget. The, the brands will understand it. But it's not always about the artist. It's about the content. And if you make a hot video from that, they're like, wow, that's hot. And then as Cyril starts to open up for 500 people, you go back to that same sponsor, be it, I don't know, you know what I mean? Someone who's also happy to play within that space. Say, right guys, we're allowed 500 people now. You gave me 10 grand then, I need 20 grand now. You know, okay. or 30 grand now. And you just stop building. And you mm -hmm. it's trust and relationship. No, there's no sponsors out there just looking, waiting to throw money around. Yes. You, it's, you're in the perfect position to build up your yeah. brand, your relationship, and your product, and your trust for luck. And, and only you can do that. I can help guide, but yes. I don't sit in any kind of position, I wish I did, with a sponsor that says, look, Sean, yeah, you know, here's money lying around. No, Tell no, me who no. wants it, because that's not how it works. Okay, <laughs> can, we send our, can, can we send you um, our vision and our My plan pleasure. when we are done so that you can go through it and let us know, and if possible, if you do want to have a meeting with us again and with explain where we've missed it, you can freely do so. Can we do that? Can we email? That sounds fantastic. I'd love that. Thank you so much. Thank sir. you. How are you, man? My name is Bonati. Uh, uh, the question that I want to ask you, I heard that you are, you are also like on a management side. Uh, so I just want to know why, why it takes uh, or why it is needed uh, to in order to be signed on on Jet Black uh, management because uh, I know that Jet Black management is one of the biggest management, like uh, one of the biggest management. So I believe as a DJ or an artist, you need to have a, a manage in order like to get a, uh, a gigs or an event. So what I want to ask, uh, what do you, uh, oh, what do you look for? Uh, what are you actually looking on a, on a person so that you can order to sign him on Jet Black Music? So, do you make your own music? Uh, yeah, uh, but I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm only teaching, I'm, I'm, I'm just a DJ, I'm a DJ, yeah. You're a DJ, okay. Have you got content? Have you recorded yourself DJing? Have you got mixes? Yeah, I do have mixes on right. SoundCloud, yeah. Have so, you got a following? Followings. Following, you know, yeah, got, I do have following. So, you know, a good at the end of the day, now it comes down to business, right? When it comes down to business on Jet Black as a booking agency or in a management company, they want artists who are going to make the business money. You can't, it can't only work the other way around. They just expect to go with Jet Black and they're just going to turn on the money for you. It doesn't work like that. They've got the relationships, but the venue, you know what I mean? Like the You've got to have some presence so that it's a partnership. That's how you've got to view it. If you're going to say, look, you know, currently I am selling out venues of 200 to 300 people, 
and I've got a good following. And every time I put a Facebook post up, people comment on it. They're like, yo, we want to see you here. We want to see you there. We want to see you there. Then Jet Black has got something to work with because their business growth is much broader than that. So from the, from the booking agency's perspective, they want artists who are already like working on themselves and have made something, you know? What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna bring Jared in from Jet Black and I'm gonna get him to do a course similar like this, if, if you like this. There you go. There you go. There you go. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, so, having been uh, around artists and recruitment, like on a broader basis, before you book an artist, what do you look for? Like, what I'd say the criteria or the basis of judgment for you to decide that this artist will be great for the festival or will be great for the event. Um, what, what, what sort of goes behind that? So, curating a lineup is very important for me on a festival basis, you know? You get different dance, the way I curate Ultra, for example, or Corona or those type of festivals, Different dance floors have got different sounds. That's the way I see it, you know? But that's not to say that one dance floor can't have a mix of all different sounds. For me, musically, I like to progress from kind of like, as the crowd kind of builds up, you know? Normally, at the end of the show is when there's the most energy and people are excited there. So therefore, I get my biggest artist right at the end, you know? For him to be like, I want people to walk out and be like, bang, wow, what a night, you know? That's on a festival scale. So the progression to get there is what's important, you know? And sometimes at the beginning of the slot, beginning of the day, you know, I, I want to be able to use that time slot as an opportunity for artists to come in and kind of, you know, you know what's the word, you know, um, show off what they've got as, you know, it's almost an open time slot for them to, to build up new talent. You know, get them comfortable with the stage, you know? It's good for them to have a following. So if they can bring, even if they bring 50 of their friends to come and watch them perform, you know? And then we, we build up the music kind of sonically from there, you know? In terms of, it's important to have a good mix. I found of female and males on stage as well, you know? Um, musically, it's important to progress there. Like, I don't want too many of the same artists' styles musically, like, I mean, like, to be perfectly honest with you, like, like the GOM style, for me, not that I'm not the biggest fan, but I, I couldn't program six hours of that music. It's just too much of the same. Same as, like, I'm a piano. Like, six hours of it is just too much. But the second that you start mixing, bit of I'm a piano there, bit of house there, bit of GOM there, you know, a bit of live music here, is when you start to tell the story of that festival lineup. Because, like, as... As a consumer, as a punter, as a kid going out to a party, you look at the lineup and you're like, wow, look at all these different names that are there, you know? So you've got to like tell that whole story. How I choose someone, you know, the artist needs to be out there. You've got to have social media presence. You've got to be putting out new music. You've got to put yourself out there. Because if you're waiting for somebody in the music industry to just come out there and make your life for you, you've chosen the wrong career path. That's the reality, you know? Hi, Sean. Uh, my question is, 
I noticed in the ultra there are different stages. Mm -hmm. I would like to know what's the idea behind the different stages and the different yes. styles of music. So the ultra mainstay, uh, main stage historically has been focused on more like the, and globally the big EDM styles of music, which is more stadium dance music, if for, for lack of a better like phrase, you know, it's all big buildups, big EDM energy type of thing, you know. Resistance, for example, was started out in Miami and that's more techno and house music. Because what you start to find is that different cultures gravitate towards different styles of music, you know? And that's why it was always important for us to give everybody a piece of it. Because as Ultra was getting bigger and bigger, you know, as opposed to people just coming to the festival and enjoying like the experience, people wanted to hear like Deep House, they wanted to hear techno, they wanted to hear like upcoming artists. So we started creating, you know, different dance floors for them with those sounds, you know? And I mean, like in Miami, I mean, there's, you know, there's a bass floor, there's a drum and bass floor, there's a, you know, eventually I'd love to, to, to be in a position to have even more multiple floors, but at the same time, I like the idea of like blending everybody together. But with Ultra, for an example, in this country, and Cape Town's a good example, it's a good blend to have like the main stage, which is like the big EDM sound, which is all about the massive fireworks, the big energy, the big drops, the big builds, the big, all of that. But the, the essence of like the resistance and techno and house music is more, you know, like minimal lighting, sexier, darker, that type of feeling, you know? So the music is always indicative to the way that like it's presented as well. And then also, sorry, and then also like a live stage, you know, it's important to have the live performance stage as well because you've got a whole bunch of live artists who are not necessarily DJs who want to perform just in a live space. And as a live music consumer, you know, you want to go and watch, it's similar to what I was saying about the difference between like an Instagram to LinkedIn communication tool. You know, if you're going to a festival and you're going to a DJ stage, you know you're gonna dance, because that's what it's all about. But if you're gonna go to like a live stage, you're gonna stand around, you're gonna sing along, you're gonna interact with the artist. So it's a different mentality again, you know? <clears throat> Hi, Sean. Uh, what I wanna know uh, is, in club owner, so uh, what I want to know is how do a instrumentalist or a percussionist get to play in a club? Percussionists, amazing. Look, team up with a DJ. Team up with a DJ that's close around you. You don't necessarily have to have your own tracks yet. <coughs> Excuse me, do something that's cool and marketable on social media. Get someone to film it and edit it and put it up online at the end of the day, you know, and, and, just, and just push yourself out there to different clubs and different promoters. You know, much like anything, get, you know, find out where your, your best DJ is playing and connect with him. Find, do your way to get hold of him on social media and say like, yo, listen, you know, I'm a percussionist. I'm just trying to like get into the game. Would you mind if I came and brought like my, my kit and like played with you at this gig? Get somebody to come in and film it. You know, and, and use that as a marketing tool, as a business card, to get more work from there, you know? Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we do making them. 
Remember, if you'd like to attend any of these workshops live, enroll in any of our upcoming programs. To support the work we do, you can find more information on bridgesformusic.org. Please don't forget to subscribe, as we'll be bringing new inspiring conversations soon. Until next time, keep safe.